Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number four for Tuesday, November 6th. So, yesterday we uh, were provided these three very beautiful, simple ways of looking at families and church. Uh, eating meals together, doing chores together, and playing together. And I know that I emphasize, you know, the, the need for us to evaluate ourselves in regards to what we commonly call potluck, the meals together. I'm not sure why we call it potluck. It sounds risky. You know, you make sure you get lucky with what you get. Um, we should maybe just call it a fellowship meal. <laughs> Anyways, it's semantics. But um, the idea of having potlucks, right, and trying to see if we could uh, invest in that resource um, for not just frequency but quality. But there's some real challenges to that, especially if the, the larger the church gets, the more difficult it gets, not simply because you need a larger amount of food, but coordinating it. Some of the challenges that we've had in, in some of the churches that we've been in is not having people bring, you know, 30 uh, uh, platters of macaroni and cheese. Some people may not object, but, you know, it's, it's uh, difficult. Everybody brings the same thing or things that don't go together. I wouldn't mind people bringing, you know, 30 pizzas to potluck, but that's just me. Uh, my wife, of course, <laughs> would intervene lovingly to make sure that it did portion control, as we talked yesterday, you know, families that eat together, they experience portion control. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, but that, those are the challenges that we have in a church setting. And some churches, you know, maybe it doesn't have to take a big church to be challenged in trying to create potluck experiences with frequency and quality. But today we're going to be presented with, I think, another way of experiencing that um, at a more intimate level. Uh, yesterday we focused more on the family of God and focused on the church. Today's lesson is focusing on the, on the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is you, me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And through this symbol, um, we begin to, to see some um, healthy alternatives to the injunction to have meals together, to eat together, to have fellowship together. Um, we have Jesus giving us a promise. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Two or three is not many, and it wouldn't require too many. You could have just macaroni and cheese, and two or three will be very happy with that. And the, the allusion is not church. Jesus is not saying where two or three are gathered in my name at church. Though unfortunately, sometimes for prayer meeting, that's all that are get gathered together, two or three. But that's not what Jesus was referring to. Um, Jesus here is speaking of two or three are gathered together anywhere, but in a special way, in a home, your home. There's this beautiful invitation to experience something different, something that I think our church, our, our church, our culture um, has moved away from uh, to some extent. Uh, our Western culture ex is extremely isolationist, is extremely, you know, my space, my home. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the case with everybody. I think sometimes it's just our schedules. We're busy. And it's not that we don't have food in our pantries. We have plenty of food. We, we have plenty of food. We could uh, feed a, quite a number of people, more than two or three for sure. Um, but it's time. I remember my wife and I trying to plan to have some of the young adults over our house. And we loved it. You know, we had great fellowship, good food, um, singing songs together and, and just having some fellowship. And of course, bringing some spiritual components to it and then playing games together. I have to tell you that it really tied our hearts together. 
And the only regret that we had is that we couldn't do it more often. Why? Schedules. Not just busy schedules, but different schedules. People work in different um, shifts, etc. It makes it a challenge. But still, is this not something worth pursuing? Is this not something worth investing in? I think it is. So as a church, we can pray and say, Lord, um, how can we up this uh, idea of eating together? How can we up this idea of mentoring and discipleship, you know, helping our younger siblings know how to do the chores around the house in the church and, and playing together? All of that requires that high, high commodity of time. So how can we do that? You know, our, our church at, at Oakwood, we recently had a uh, chili um, fest, chili cook-off contest. And it was so awesome to see the, the fellowship that took place, the playing games and all those things. And, you know, I told you that that, that was a great experience. But it requires so much uh, work and effort behind the scenes to create something like that. To do it more frequently, you know, it would just burn people out. But when it's in your home, two or three, it's not that difficult to, it's not, it's more manageable. It's very unlikely that I will get burnt out from having two or three people over. And I'm going to finish with one last thought in regards to, you know, two or three um, having fellowship. In Luke chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus, uh, I think he enjoyed giving us opportunities to experience grace at a deeper level. And I never read this verse like this before. And so here it is. Rome, Luke 14, 12 says, Then he also said to him who invited him. Jesus has been invited to a house, and he's speaking to the host. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus here is not saying you earn eternal life by feeding the, the, the outcasts of society. He's not implying that at all. Jesus is inviting us to join in an experience. You know, the Bible uses food in, in a very rich way for the gospel. And Jesus is compared to the two basic essentials of life, bread and water. He is the water of life and he is the bread of life. And for him to become that, it took a sacrifice. Moses had to smite the stone for water to be produced. And for bread to take place, you have to take a grain of wheat and grind it to powder to make the bread. Sacrifice. This idea of sacrifice so that we can be nourished and be made alive is inherited, inherently placed within food. Um, and here Jesus is asking us to invite those that could not repay us. Do you know why? Not to make us feel uncomfortable, not to make us get out of our comfort zone, though it certainly may happen to some of us. But why is Jesus emphasizing that don't invite those that can invite you back and you'll have the same kind of quality of food? or the same amount of abundant food. Invite those that could never feed you the way you can feed them. They won't be able to repay you. You know why? So that you can get a taste of the love behind God's sacrifice in giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. There was heartache and there was investment. And there was a tremendous you know, sacrifice on behalf of God. But the Bible tells us, Jesus calls that the joy of the Lord. Because Jesus could see the outcome, the result of that sacrifice. 
a sacrifice that none, none of you, even if you are uber rich, you will never be able to repay God what he has done for you at the cross by giving you Jesus, the bread of life. So when you feed and invite people that would never be able to repay you likewise, you are starting to experience a little bit of the joy of God. In Columbus, Ohio, I, I was not you know uber wealthy and uh, my parents would sometimes send me money uh, I was not getting a salary, but they they provide so I could, you know, at least go to Taco Bell <laughs> from time to time. But I remember one time realizing, you know, hey, I'm eating at potlucks and it's not that I'll be able to bring the same as, you know, these other brothers and sisters can, but I can bring something. And so I pour my heart and soul into making this lentil stew with potatoes and onions and, you know, all these things. And um, I, I pour my heart and soul into it. I mean, I was, it was tasty. I would say it was very good. <laughs> So I brought it out to potluck and you know what, when people learned that a bachelor, me, had made it, they were hesitant. They're like, eh, bachelors, I don't know, especially a male bachelor. Um, they were, you know, a bit suspicious and skeptical as to whether it would be any good. But once someone was brave enough to scoop some out in a bowl and taste it, a line quickly got behind it. And even the sisters were like, wow, Ariel, this is pretty good. Are you sure you made it? <laughs> uh, what a humbling way of uh, treating their, their church leader. Um, and of course, I said, yeah, I, I made it. But you know what? As I saw that pot get emptied out, there was joy in me because I saw their brothers and sisters, individuals, um, immigrants that could not make hardly ends meet, could definitely not eat as much as the food we were providing as a church, but could not eat even the stew, could not afford to make the stew that I had made. And when I saw these individuals heap it on their bowls and go back for seconds and just be satisfied, I felt in my heart such a joy and gratitude that I could say, thank you, Father, for providing that I could give for your people. You know, in communion, there's something beautiful that Jesus does when he breaks the bread. He gives thanks. He gives thanks that through the breaking of his body, salvation could be made available for you. And all of this is wrapped up in meals, in food. Even in this verse, right? Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. You know, here on earth, we may be hesitant to invite this person or that person. What are we going to talk about? What are, there's no interest, you know, if we're uneducated or very educated, poor, rich, whatever. There's just this vast chasm between us socially. But we already talked about what unites us. What, unite, what unites you to other believers is not their bank account. It's not their wardrobe. It's the robe of Jesus Christ. It's the richness that Jesus has provided for us through the cross. That's what unites us. And if you're making distinctions on these outward separations, brother or sister, you need to nourish yourself spiritually. And having a meal I think it's one of the most practical ways, inviting someone to your home and providing for them what they may not be able to provide for you, inviting those that you may not have typically or originally thought about inviting can provide for you some of the richest spiritual experiences in understanding God's heart better. Isn't that a worthwhile investment? Isn't this worthwhile in saying, I can clear my calendar for that? I want to invite you to consider that. Open your home to invite those that maybe you would not have considered inviting from your church, from your congregation, and maybe from the community where you live. 
Let that meal become an experience of grace in which you know you are provided for individuals that could never repay you back. And let that meal remind you that you could never repay God for what He has done to you, for you, through Jesus Christ. And that let your heart melt as you share with this meal because eventually these individuals, we will be eating together with them in heaven because the Bible says, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of heaven.